distro hopping, the idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. My name is Tony. I live in the northwest of England. I'm Dale. I live in northeast Ohio. And I'm Josh. I live in northeast Pennsylvania. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and even some we may have overlooked. We each have our preferences in complexity or desktop or package management. Perhaps we can help you find a new distro or better understand one that has piqued your curiosity. The idea of this podcast is that we will each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as a daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, and what we liked and what we didn't. Tony and I tend to prefer looking at distros that would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system such as Windows or Mac OS. Well, I tend to take on the more advanced distros and give them a go. And I'm more of a Linux gamer and sysadmin ninja. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we are using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest, episode 033, recorded on June 6th, 2022. This episode, we are taking on Ubuntu 22.04. Monthly foibles were and we discuss what we did this month. Well, for me, more car problems. Our new car required $4,000 of our money to fix and then shredded the timing belt requiring an engine rebuild. After much consultation, we decided to buy another car and we found what looks like a good one with the additional benefit that the lot we bought from also bought our motorless vehicle for sufficient amounts of money to pay off the loan. So we're back to only having one loan. I've had a lot of trouble keeping going this month. I played a pretty good concert at the convention in mid-May, but had a lot of side issues to the trip. It seems like everything lately has a hidden trap, and I get thrown off enough to need to take more time off, meaning I'm way behind on this script. But the past few days have felt like the pressure is lessening. What's going on with you, Dale? As I mentioned in last month's episode, I reinstalled Debian testing due to an upgrade that partially broke my NVIDIA driver. I've reverted back to the Nouveau driver, and all was well except for using a lower refresh rate on my monitor. I think I'm stuck at uh, 70 hertz, which not bad, but it's not the 120 that the NVIDIA driver can provide. I thought I would install the NVIDIA driver from Debian's SID repository because stable and testing is still stuck at 470. Well, that didn't go as planned as it wanted to upgrade some packages from the SID repository to satisfy the installation. I used apps app pinning configuration, which allows you to selectively install packages from uh, each of the uh, releases of the uh, stable testing SID and experimental. My next thought was to manually install the NVIDIA driver from the NVIDIA website. I ran their installation script and ran into a problem compiling the modules. Apparently, Debian updated the GCC with a newer version that Linus Torvalds and the kernel dev team moved to. Debian's default kernel was compiled using the previous version of GCC. So then I thought, well, I'll just compile a kernel. That led to another defeat. After about 35 minutes into the compilation, I decided to stop it. 
I decided it was way too much effort to install the driver, and I would consider using the Nouveau driver until they release the uh, new version in Debian. And non- We're not laughing at you, Dale. We're laughing about you. I know. I'm just laughing on the inside. <laughs> so, yeah, until Debian puts the uh, 510 driver in, by the time Debian's released, they probably will have the open source driver, <laughs> more than likely. Who knows? Well, I think it'd probably have to be 510 because 512, I think, is supposed to be the uh, open source one, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but in any case, in the uh, non-Linux-related news, I'm moving seven miles away. Oh, what fun. Said by no one. <laughs> How about you, Josh? First off, come to Fedora. We have NVIDIA. <laughs> uh, no, no, but uh, really... Uh, no, I'm I'm actually excited for the NVIDIA drivers to possibly be able to be just in the Noeve driver once this whole open source thing gets figured out. That's going to be a, an interesting thing, but that's not going to happen for at least a year. <laughs> Nuvo, people. It's Nuvo. Nuvo, Nuvo. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know. I pronounce it all weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah, for me, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I've, I did graduate. I officially graduated, so that's all done with. Woohoo! Yeah, I know. Yeah, so now I'm just looking for a job again, and uh, that's interesting. That's that's a whole another ball game. But anyway, so um, I got the server at my parents' house running again because my dad decided to turn it off and move it because it's near a weightlifting machine that he wanted to use, and he decided to just move it and shut it off. So I was like, okay, but I have it in a different place now, and now it's running. I, I have SSH access to it, and I installed KVM-QEMU onto it so I can remote manage my VMs um, from Vert Manager on my laptop. I'm planning on using TailScale, which is a WireGuard uh, utility that is a VPN, so you can get into your systems, and it's like almost like it's on your LAN, but you can be anywhere. And then I'm going to use that to connect to it so I can have a more secure connection even though I can use SSH. I also bought a new mini PC. The name of it is the Green N1. Uh, it's by Trigkey? I don't know. Um, that's that's the name. It has a 10th gen quad-core Celeron processor, 8 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM, and 128 gigabyte NVMe. I'm officially breaking my usual naming convention for this little guy, and I'm naming it Mini-Me as an homage to Austin Powers movies. <laughs> Thanks, Dale. <laughs> I didn't even think of it until you mentioned that. <laughs> you, you, you had to. <laughs> How does that compare to the uh, M700 Tiny? You know what? I, I actually don't know. I didn't look into that one. This one had a, a... It was about $50 off on Amazon, so I'm like, I can't pass that up. <laughs> I have to. Well, I, I just paid $100 for an M700 Tiny with an i3. Oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> it was about three three hundred for my uh, for the one I'm using right now. So now we've got two think centers in the house. Ah, uh, well, that, <laughs> that that sounds like a good deal too. I paid uh, I think 150 for this one, but it was fifty dollars off, so I wasn't complaining about it. And it's got a 10th gen quad core in it, so that that'll be pretty nice. Carry on. Yep. So uh, I, I plan on running um, my home assistant ins instance, Mycroft, which is a open source like AI, kind of like Google Home. And um, 
then I'm possibly going to run pfSense in a virtual machine. All of those are going to be different virtual machines. Uh, pfSense is a firewall for your network. I don't know if I'm going to get to that one or not, but I'm, I'm going to try. And then I also bought some smart light bulbs from cloudfree.shop. They came really quick and they work well. And they run open source software on them called Tasmoda, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I, I uh, just wanted to give them a quick mention because they were awesome. And they have a telegram that you can just talk with them if you have issues. And that worked very well for me when I had one issue. <laughs> And I forgot to mention that my wife has a new 8-inch Fire Tablet, and I'm getting a new 7-inch Fire Tablet later today. Oh, cool. All right, let's move on to updates. Updates, where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. Perl Linux now has version 11 out, pretty much the same, hybridizing LXDE and XFCE into something which vaguely resembles a macOS desktop. And since nobody else has any updates, let's just move right on into beautiful failures. Beautiful failures, what we tried and failed to install or run this month. I had Ubuntu Mate 22.04 installed. Then I installed Ubuntu Studio 22.04, which resulted in a much nicer looking grub menu, even without being able to clearly identify which Ubuntu 22.04 flavor was on which partition. Then Mate wouldn't boot. I tried reinstalling it. It wouldn't reinstall because now it couldn't find an EFI partition to hold boot. Studio apparently didn't think it needed one, so it didn't install one, and Studio is installed on ISDA. Mateo's on SDB2, I think. Uh, eventually, I had to create a small EFI partition on SDB, and then Mateo installed. And then, since Studio still controlled Grub via its non-EFI boot, Mateo still wouldn't boot. So I gave up and installed Mint on SDA3, which previously held Bodhi. Mint then controlled the Grub. I installed Grub Customizer on it and ran it, and all is well. I currently have Studio on SDA1, Mateo on SDB1... Linux Lite 5.8 on SDB2. Actually, I changed that. I have just, the last few days, put Bodhi back on there because I was missing my Bodhi. And then Mint Mate on SDB3. I must say I am disappointed with Ubuntu Mate. It has never previously presented a boot issue. I am also a tad disappointed with the software source selector, which seems new with 22.04. It is harder to find with less transparency, less information, and perhaps even slower. Dale? I didn't have time for computer-related failures. I've been too busy with potential moving failures. So what's with you, Josh? Well, uh, I didn't have uh, too many failures except for one caused by myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, when trying to create my SSH key pair uh, with my server at my parents' house, I accidentally tried creating it from within the server itself, like I was SSH'd into that server, and then I was trying to create the key pair from that server, and that wasn't working exactly as I was expecting. And then I noticed my mistake, and I dropped the connection to the, the server. I connected, I went back to my, um, my laptop, terminal and I recreated the SSH uh, key pair and copied it to that server and now all is well and I can install without or I can uh, SSH without using a password now let's move on to the reviews 
good. Josh, what do you have for us? I have uh, Ubuntu Unity. I was going to do Ubuntu GNOME also, but yeah, well, the issues that occurred were (laughs) stopping me from doing that. So Ubuntu Unity, first um, I would like to say this is an amazing feat for a distro. Ubuntu Unity was started by an 11-year-old named Rudera. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. And um, that says it all, really. I mean, that's amazing. I was not even competent with computers when I was 11, so (laughs) the fact that Rudera even had this idea is amazing. I respect everyone who works on a distro, but Rudera deserves a special kind of respect for getting involved so early. I totally agree and have actually added him to my monthly donation list. Oh, that's cool. I've been dealing with Rudra since he really got into this. Well, since he was 10. Now, right. I, didn't, I didn't know him back when he was 9 and, and, and did his own LFS version. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't even know that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, too. <laughs> A 9-year-old doing LFS, and then he turns around and makes his own distro for Raspberry Pi, and then goes into Ubuntu Unity. Wow. That's even cooler than I thought. <laughs> anyway, so although Unity is really not my desktop of choice, I'm glad that it has such a dedicated and talented individual working on it. So my hardware, I actually used two computers this time. I used my one laptop and my desktop. I was kind of just going between them depending on uh, the situation. So uh, my, my laptop has an Intel Celeron N4000. It's only dual core, so it's very low power. Uh, the GPU is the integrated Intel 600 graphics. RAM is only 4 gigabytes of DDR3 low power. And it's got a 32 gigabyte eMMC drive inside. So it's, it, that one is very low power. I wanted to kind of use that one to see if it was viable even on a low power machine. And then my other, my desktop... I use has the uh, AMD Ryzen 5800X, an NVIDIA uh, 1650 Super GPU, uh, 16 gigabytes of 3200 megahertz DDR4 RAM, and it has the Silicon Power 256 gigabyte SSD inside. So the installation, ease, and issues. The installation went smoothly, just as you would expect with any Ubuntu distro, but I had an issue on first boot. I selected to install third-party drivers in the installer and it did not install my NVIDIA drivers even though in the command line on the installer it showed it was clearly installing them. I had to go into the additional drivers application and install my NVIDIA drivers. And then when clicking reboot on the additional drivers window, the system did not reboot. I had to go to the power menu to reboot the system. Another box I checked was to install updates when installing Ubuntu Unity, but on first boot, after doing a sudo apt update, there were 105 updates needed. Finally, after all that, I looked in the App Store, and again, still more updates to be done, with both Firefox and the Snap Store needed to be updated. These two applications are Snaps, so they will get automatically updated in 4 hours, but still this is to me not acceptable. So the whole thing with the updates, even though I selected to install the updates while the installer was running, I've had that issue with multiple Ubuntu distros, not just Unity. So I'm not going to really, you know, say that that was a Unity issue. But the NVIDIA driver, I usually don't have an issue with that because on, on Ubuntu GNOME, when I was using it, that, that worked perfectly fine. 
um, clicking on that on the installer. Okay, so post-installation hardware facts and issues. After the installation, on initial boot, I could not get Ubuntu Unity to update via the GUI tools. I tried GNOME Software, which is on the taskbar quick menu. I'm not sure what that's called on Unity, the sidebar. I'm just calling it the taskbar because that's how I know um, what it is. And it listed all needed updates, but when I clicked restart and upgrade, it would just reboot the laptop and nothing actually got updated. I then tried the Ubuntu Software Store, which is a snap package, and that would only update snaps installed on Unity. I then brought up the hub by clicking the super key and typed in update, and there was no further GUI updating tools. I resorted to the terminal and did an apt update and apt upgrade. And that seemed to work. I don't know why the GUI tools had so many weird issues like that. And I know Ubuntu GNOME has another tool. It's just a little tool for updating Ubuntu. And I'm not sure why he didn't add that into Unity, but um, maybe that should be added at some point. I don't know, because this was really weird that I couldn't update it from the GNOME software store, which is what is default installed on this one, on Ubuntu Unity. So then, uh, ease of use found this distro to be 98% usable by anyone. The only issue I found was actually in Unity's flagship feature, its hub. When you open the hub with the super key, it only shows you some recent applications. You have to go down to the bottom of the screen and click on the Ubuntu application icon to open another section of the hub which, with uh, categories including installed applications. After getting to this point, you then have to expand the installed section to see all the installed applications. To me, this seems very cumbersome unless you just know the name of the application you want to use. Uh, then you can just type it in the search bar and boom, it comes right up. Otherwise, this distro would be easily picked up by any new user. And that's just a Unity thing. That's not Ubuntu Unity in general. That's just a Unity uh, feature actually really the the hub is like its main thing where you click on the super key and the whole screen gets taken up by the hub and then you can type in what you want or search for different things there's many different options at the bottom like you can look for files you can look for folders and all that stuff but uh, let me point out that ubuntu unity 22.04 is still using unity 7.5 Right. It was about a month after this that he came out with a new version 7.6, and that will show up ah. in the next version. So I wonder if he'll change that, because that that, that's a really needed thing to be changed, because that's kind of jarring for a new user when you <laughs> go to your applications and you don't see anything, and then at the bottom there's these icons that you have no idea what they are. Well, I'm sure he will listen to our episode, because I will let him know about it. Cool. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean, like I said, no criticism to it, really, because it, it, that's just how Unity works, and I, I get that. <laughs> so, yeah, memory and disk use. I, I didn't mention this first, but I just did a normal install. I just did click, 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 next, next, next. I didn't um, do any customization because I, I just wanted to get a like new user uh, experience. So um, there's no compression on this or anything like that. So um, the disk usage was 10.4 gigabytes, which is quite a bit, but for not having compression, that's acceptable, really. And then for memory usage, I got 872 megabytes of memory. That was uh, reported by Free Tac, uh, HM. 
And then ease of finding help. So Ubuntu Unity is an Ubuntu distro, obviously. <laughs> so finding help is really easy. It gets even easier because they have a dedicated forum for Ubuntu Unity itself, and it seems very active. I did not contact anyone myself on the forum, but at the latest post was seven days ago, That's and that seems pretty uh, recent to me. I, I consider that active. Like if something's like a month, two months, or more, then I'd be like, mm, maybe, maybe not so active. But the guy that posted seven days ago, um, he got an answer and everything, so that's active to me. I'd say it was pretty easy to get help. They have an active Discord group as well. Oh, that's nice. I see. That's another thing I missed. Yeah, the, the Discord, even though it's proprietary, Discord is amazing because so many distros have uh, their their own Discords, and you can just go on there and get help immediately. Almost, <laughs> it's it's awesome. It's better than a forum, definitely. So um, plays nice with others. Um, Ubuntu Unity played well with Ubuntu proper, so I feel it would work well with um, most distros using the Grub bootloader. I never saw an issue. Any distro using Grub, especially Ubuntu distros, I mean, they just work well together. And then if you couple the fact of using UEFI, where even if Grub gets messed up, you can press an F key to get to your boot menu, then you, you have a stable backup there. Um, so stability definitely uh, very stable. Uh, I had no issues. I updated this thing every week at least, and I never had a, a problem with anything. Everything seemed to work. Uh, recordings worked. I tested a couple of things after I updated just to be sure that nothing got messed up, but uh, everything seemed to work. Um, gaming ease. So, I installed the Steam Flatpak because it was the default install uh, when I was looking for the, in the software center. So basically when I looked for Steam in the software center, it listed the flat pack first and then like five or six from that was the deb package. So I was going to just assume that people were going to use the flat pack because it was the first one that was listed. And the deb package was kind of off the screen for me. That could be my screen size being the issue. But for me, a new user was just going to click on that first one because usually the first one in the list is the newest or whatever you would uh, assume. So I installed Valheim, Skyrim, and Resident Evil Remake, and all played very well. Uh, they all installed perfectly fine. I didn't have any issues. The shaders compiled and everything just fine. The only error I did have, I can say, and this happens to all Flatpak installs of Steam, is it gives you a warning that controllers may not work for it, and I haven't had that issue even though it gives you the warning, so I, I don't know why they, they really give you that warning. But both Skyrim and the Resident Evil Remake are uh, Windows-only titles using Proton, and uh, they they really worked well. Like, I saw no issue at all with them. They booted, they uh, were smooth, no no stutters at all. Uh, those both don't take a lot of, of power to, to use, but I really didn't get time to install, like, a full-fledged um, AAA game on it to really test, unfortunately. But I'm assuming it would work just as well as anything else. Valheim is a uh, Linux native game, so that works really well. Um, that uses Vulkan uh, straight, and it's really smooth. It, no different than anything else I've used. I think a lot of this has to do with Steam and the Steam Deck, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> that's why games run so well anymore. Similar distros to check out. The only one I could really think of that's even close to similar is Ubuntu um, with GNOME, which is, you know, Ubuntu uh, proper. Because uh, they theme it to look a lot like Unity. They did that on purpose. 
So it, it works differently, but it's still similar. <laughs> There's nothing really similar to Unity, like exact, like a comparison, but that's the closest you're going to get. So uh, my ratings, uh, ease of installation for a new user, I gave it a 9 out of 10 just because if you had those issues with the updating and the uh, NVIDIA drivers, then that might be a little jarring for a new user um, until they find out that they can install the NVIDIA driver after the fact. Experienced user, that's 10 out of 10. That's, it was, would have been easy for anyone who knew what they were doing. Um, hardware issues, 10 out of 10. Both my systems worked flawlessly once I got all the drivers installed. Ease of finding help, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 because it's an Ubuntu distro and they have their forums and now a Discord apparently I did not know about and that immediately gives it a 10 out of 10 for me because Discord, I still say, is amazing. <laughs> Ease of use, I gave that a 9 of 10 just because of the hub issue where it's like you really have to know the application or figure out where to find them. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. Stability, 10 out of 10, had no issues with that. Uh, works with games, uh, that one I'm going to give a 10 out of 10 to. Uh, I did not write that in the show notes, but I'm going to give it that. Overall rating is a 9 of 10. So, uh, final comments. Um, although this distro is not my favorite, I still think it's got a good thing going, and it should definitely keep on trucking. Thanks, Rudera. The legend continues. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's my turn, and I'm going to be reviewing Ubuntu Studio 22.04. I tried over half the new flavors. Studio is the only one I could actually get installed and running without major issues, so here we are. My hardware, I'm using my Lenovo ThinkPad T540P with a 6th generation i7, 16 gigs of RAM, and it's installed on the 256 gig SSD, which is SDA1. Installation ease and issues... This installed as smoothly as all of these should have. The installer is still the previous version, which is also identical to what is used in Linux Mint, and anyone who has installed any Mint or Ubuntu will be right at home. Post-installation hardware facts and issues. I am having some trouble booting it to perhaps one time in three. I also had a notice for several days that there was a pending update of the Snap of Firefox, but couldn't get it to do the update. Finally, I tried sudo snap refresh Firefox, about my third or fourth try, and it seems to have worked. The booting issue is odd in that the failed boot attempts do not load the NVIDIA driver and hang up trying to boot to the Nuvo driver, which brings me to my login screen with the keyboard disabled. When it does work, I still get an error message that it failed to read Grub. I tried my usual games. Pysol FC crashed the system, and despite rebooting, never did load. In another issue, I have noticed that lots of distros help you out by showing what app you have loaded in which workspace. Studio just shows a blank box if you have something open, and a blue box for the workspace you're currently in. Thanks for the help, Ubuntu. Ease of use. It's as easy as you'd expect. It's basically Kubuntu with a low-latency kernel and tons of audio, video, and art tools. The big problem is getting time to learn to use the hyperabundance of tools. I will not be either the first or last person to mention that Firefox as a snap is incredibly slow to load, depending on your hardware. In fact, this entire setup might go better if everything was Flatpak or a Deb, but I'm sure many of you expected me to say something like that. Memory and disk use. I'm using 15 gigabytes of space. There's a lot of stuff here. Uh, that's reported by DF Tech Cap H. 
My memory is 864 megabytes of memory reported by Free Tech HM. Ease of finding help. There is always help for you when you run Ubuntu. Ubuntu forums, ask Ubuntu, Linux questions, and any Google search will find you more help than you need, plus all the Linux, Telegram, Discord, and other groups. Plays nice with others. The boot problems I have been having do not appear to be caused by a failure to play nicely, but I could be wrong about that. I am using the other distros on this machine without a problem. Stability. It's a new LTS, so it probably won't be completely stable until 22.04.1, but it should be good enough for the people who need to use it. If you need more stability right now, go get 20.04. Similar distros to check out would be Kubuntu and KE Neon. Ratings. Ease of installation. New user 9 out of 10. Experience user 10 out of 10. Hardware issues 6 out of 10. Ease of finding help, community and web, 10 out of 10. Ease of use, 7 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 10 out of 10. Stability, 10 out of 10. My overall rating is 8 out of 10. My final comments, I expected a lot fewer problems than I got. Perhaps if it were the sole distro on my machine, it might have been better, but it is set up as a primary distro, so perhaps not. If you need these tools, but not all of them, you might do better getting Kubuntu and adding what you need. But it has always been nice to know this distro is there, and it works much better with Plasma than it used to under XFCE. Let's go see if Dale is ready for us yet. Dale? I am reviewing the budgie spin of Ubuntu this episode. Since I am a fan of... Budgie on Solas, I want to see how Ubuntu's Budgie was configured and worked. My hardware is my uh, old Lenovo. It's the uh, ThinkPad T460. It has a dual-core i5-6200U, 2.8 gigahertz CPU, 14-inch display, using HD Graphics 520. I have 16 gigabytes of RAM and a 500 gigabyte SSD. Installation ease and issues. I'll dispense with the walkthrough since I think everybody, in, or at least most people in the Linux community, started with Ubuntu if you didn't start with Slackware or Debian. So I will just say that Budgie uses the Ubiquity installer that is common amongst the uh, Ubuntu flavors. It's pretty much click, 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 one and done. Unless you need to do a dual boot and their partitioner is better than most. Um, if you have to a dual boot with another operating system. They are working on a new installer, but they haven't come out with it yet. And if you've used Mint, it's the same installer. So everyone knows this installer. Yeah, because I haven't used Ubuntu in, in a while. And I asked both Moss and Josh, I go, this isn't their new one, is it? Because I've never seen their installer with a dark theme before. And they both told me, oh, no, it's this theme that way for, for Budgie. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because it kind of felt like ubiquity. But uh, in any case, post-installation hardware facts and issues. Well, the mouse doesn't appear on the screen unless you click the mouse buttons. I can tell the mouse is there because if I just move indiscriminately the mouse across the screen, if I get down towards the bottom where the dock is, the dock responds. It's just so odd. As soon as you click a button, the mouse appears. I 
don't know if that's a compositor issue or what the problem is, but I've never experienced that in Linux. Well, since they included a lot of that stuff in the uh, driver like they do now, back then you had to load the kernel modules, and I've had issues in the past like that. Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Um, now that you mentioned that, I didn't have that exact issue uh, with Unity, but if you didn't touch the trackpad or the mouse at all and you just loaded up or um, logged in, there would be no mouse at all on the screen until you moved it. But I didn't consider that an issue because it, all you did was move, you know, put your finger on the trackpad and it appeared. You didn't have to click or anything. Yeah, because I'm thinking with the trackpad, because a lot of people, and this is one of the things why I disabled trackpads, is because of the tap to click. I grew up learning how to type on typewriters, and you had a stable thing to rest your hands on. You didn't have an active device responding to your presses. So I cannot stand trackpads. Totally agree. In Bodhi, they, the, well, in all Ubuntu, there is an add-on you can use from the Atario uh, repo that uh, is called Touchpad Indicator. And uh, you can have it to where if a mouse is plugged in, the touchpad is off. Yeah, that, that's nice. I think uh, if you install the Synaptic package also, I haven't used the Synaptic package in a long time because the HID driver that they have in the kernel works just as fine, but it had that functionality if you plugged in an external device. So going on to the ease of use, one thing I really like is that the Wi-Fi passphrase was saved from the installation. I wish more distros would do this. It is a very nice touch. Completely agree, and I noticed it on Studio as well. Yep, and Unity did that also. Yes, it's a good time saver, especially if you, well, I can cut and paste mine, but my Wi-Fi passphrase is ugly to try to type in. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> oh, you're, you're forgetting five, six, seven, eight. I, I increased it to eight characters. What, you don't, you don't just use password one, two, three? Or Batman, come on. <laughs> or Steve Gibson from Security Now. I'm Batman. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> yeah, the monkey one, two, three. Well, since this is Ubuntu, I need to address the elephant in the room. The elephant in this case is Snap. Like them or hate them, if you use Ubuntu, you have them installed by default. Which doesn't mean... You can't install Flatpak or use AppImage when you can't find what you want in the dev packages. Snap, the Firefox took about 10 seconds to open, and a lot of people say on the first boot, but I found some caveats. During the same session, the Firefox Snap opened in two seconds, which is about a second longer than the native apps, but still much better. I did notice that if you use the uh, same session for a few hours, and I've discussed this in some other forums, I think I talked with uh, Dan Simmons in uh, Linux User Space about this too, it must be some type of garbage collection or something is unloading from memory because when I went to open Firefox again, I was back to the 10 second or so launch time. So it's something, maybe it's not all canonical's problem it could be something in the kernel memory manager it is canonical's problem and they are trying to address it and in fact if you're running it out on a raspberry pi 4 you can find it taking 28 to 30 seconds okay yeah because they do compile their own kernel so it still could be a canonical issue so a uh, window opened 
reporting update information, incomplete language support. The language support for your selected language seems to be incomplete. You can install them by clicking on Run This Action Now with further instructions on how to install them later. I find this very odd because this is developed in UK, so you have UK English, and I'm using US English. So I'm kind of puzzled why I have incomplete language support on a new install. So that's just my... Because it's not the king's English. Get with the program. Yes, our, we're the uh, treasonous separatists here. I can't remember how Popey phrased that the one time on uh, the uh, old Ubuntu podcast. Ungrateful colonists, I yeah, believe. Yeah, the un- you ungrateful <laughs> colonist. yes. <laughs> Upon uh, clicking on Run This Action Now, a window pops up and reports no language information available. So let's all do a facepalm. So now that you've done that, the system does not have information about the above languages yet. Do you want to perform a network update to get them now? I was even more puzzled because, to quote Scooby-Doo, Ruh-roh! Yeah, Ruh-roh. <laughs> After clicking install, I was presented with yet another window. It reported that the language support is not installed completely. Some of the translations or writing aids available for your choosing languages are not installed yet. Do you want to install them now? I was then prompted for my password, and the installation proceeded. The Bungie welcome window opened. It had options to install the software and change the theme and layout. There was also an introduction, features, getting started, and some links to community information. When I tried to click on it, it reported it was not connected to the internet. The odd thing was, I was connected to the internet because of all the aforementioned packages and components it had to update from the internet. And uh, that, I don't know. So, moving on. Another window popped up this time. It was the software updater. It was announced that new updates were available. I had the option of reminding me later or installing now. It also showed the amount in megabytes of how much would need to be downloaded. It also suggested that I plug in my laptop's power. And I do want to uh, notice that for like the first couple weeks, I never got any notifications. The only notifications I got were for components, like I mentioned before. And I finally went into the update settings and they had automatic updates and other settings, but it didn't say notifications. And I finally fumbled into one of the menus and on my installation, it was set to never. And I changed it to, yes, I want updates, which uh, I don't remember changing it. So I'm thinking that could have been a default, at least on mine. I thought that was kind of odd. But I have had distros that didn't give me any update notifications either. So there you go. Some required themes for Snap are available. Do I want to install them? Which was yet another pop-up. And this is not a dig against them, but I felt like I was using Windows. Pop-ups coming up is like whack-a-mole at the county fair. I don't know. It's just Those things annoy me. So I dismissed the pop-up because I think at the time I had to put my laptop away and go to work or 
something I had to uh, attend to. A couple days later, I saw the notification listed in the uh, Raven menu, which is a feature of Budgie for your notifications. It's a pop-out or a slide-out from the right side of the screen. It also has, I believe it has your uh, audio settings for your microphone and your volume. And if you're playing a an app like XMPP or um, Rhythmbox or something, it'll show you what you're playing. And you can interface with it there without using the app. Well, I clicked on the notification and it didn't do anything. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. And I kept taking the focus off, going back to it. And the only thing I could do was just click the X and remove the notification, which I thought was kind of unusual. I hadn't used Budgie in so long that I can't remember if that is something with the Ubuntu edition or if that's something that happened in Solus. So something I didn't get a chance to uh, verify. Oddly, one pop-up I was expecting that never occurred was the update notification, which I previously mentioned. And uh, to further on that, I went to the uh, terminal to use the apt update command, and I saw several hundred updates available, so there were updates available. One option that very few distros have is suggesting the plugging in of the laptop, which I previously mentioned. I wanted to uh, reiterate that again because... Uh, if you have some laptops that you got off eBay or secondhand and the batteries are starting to get low, don't completely trust that you have 30% because that could fall like a rock. I've seen laptops like my second battery on my ThinkPad. It'll say it has 70% and like 10 minutes later, I'll be down to 40. Now I have two batteries, so the other battery is good. I'll just have to replace it. But I just wanted to, as a PSA to some of you that have older equipment, go, oh, it says I have 30 minutes left. No, you could have five. <laughs> or, or my favorite, you unplug the power and it immediately shuts off. <laughs> yeah, even after it says, hey, you got 30, you're good. <laughs> yeah. After a few days later, a pop-up asked if I want to install the theme snap again. This time, I clicked yes. I wanted to proceed with the installation. It prompted me for my password, typed it in, and it completed with, with no problems. There is a top panel with an app menu pinned to the left side. You can easily switch between category view and the view items as a grid, which is more similar to like an XFCE or an old Windows 7 type menu. Each view had its own search entry box. All the regular icons appeared in the system tray on the right side. There were some additions like Quick Note, which is a note-taking applet. Another addition is Places, similar to what you would see in Mate. It shows your home folder, documents, downloads, and etc. As I previously mentioned, the Raven menu is on the far right. It is unique to Budgie. Once clicked, it shows the uh, left tab by default on your calendar. That's one, one of the items I, f I forgot. In the uh, second tab are your notifications. It's a two tab on the, on the top. The way they have the panel configured, there are some redundancies like separate notification icon in the uh, panel at the top. So that is really unnecessary. And thus they did that because people may not know about the Raven menu, which I completely understand. If you've never used Budgie, you're not expecting that 
slide out panel from the right to be there. So I can see why they put the extra notifications on the panel, but you can remove that if you're kind of OCD and don't want duplication. The other is a duplicate time in the center of the panel, and there is a conky-like applet in the lower right of your desktop, which really kind of uh, confused me, but I'll go into that in a minute here. They are using Plank for their dock, and uh, it's similar to other ones you use. It can do the uh, Mac OS, Mac OS type flow with the mouse where it goes up and goes down like a, like a wave. They uh, have the uh, software center, the Budgie Welcome, Rhythmbox, LibreOffice, Writer, Calc, Firefox, and Files in the, uh, in the Plank. And as I mentioned, on the desktop and lower right is a digital clock with the date below it. The options for it are listed under Desktop Settings, Top Panel, Applets. It is specifically called Showtime. One thing I thought was odd, and I mentioned this to Josh in our chatting the past month, it doesn't show up in the applets list. Now, I don't know why, but I was able to remove it because I thought, again, redundancy, because I don't need two clocks. I don't know. It was a nice visual effect. It looked nice, but once you open up a window, it's it's covering the clock. That's why I like them in the panels, because your panel, unless you auto-hide, you can always see your clock. And uh, the version of Budgie that Ubuntu is using is current. It's 10.6.1. They're using X11, so there's no Wayland here. Their kernel was uh, 5.15.0-30. Ubuntu does backport features from newer kernels, so don't let the old kernel version bother you too much. Um, security fixes will be added. Now, as far as any features that the kernel dev team may add, I don't know if those are backported either. I guess it's if it fits uh, their use case for the for the distro. You can also install UKUU and install your own kernel or do it manually. Memory and disk use. Eight and a half gigabytes of space used on my SSD and 716 megabytes using the uh, free human readable, the dash HM command. He's a finding help. I didn't seek out any help. Though they are using Discourse for their support form, and I'm assuming they probably have a Discord and Telegram, but I didn't look. But uh, according to their uh, website, they use Discourse. Plays nice with others. I do build it with LMDE5. One thing that is annoying that Moss will agree with is they don't name their grub entry with a specific name of the distro. All they use is Ubuntu. Yep. Yeah, that even annoys me. <laughs> well, the other thing is that many of the variants of Ubuntu, like Bodhi and Mint, frequently only show up as Ubuntu and the version number. Yeah, because I think I can't remember who said this. It could have been uh, Dan Simmons from the Linux User Space, who's on the Ubuntu team. I think, or it could have been Popey in... Uh, Linux Saloon, but one of them said about the problems of OS Prober, and the exploit problems of OS Prober is local. You have to have root access on the box, and because Ubuntu is grooming the company for IPO to be an official commercial product, it is now, but I mean... 
public product, yeah. Uh, yeah, public, publicly traded shareholders and everything. They don't want to include that in there because of the exploit. Well, this is what Grub Customizer is good for. You can go in and rename everything so you know exactly what you're booting where. It looks prettier. And I am really mad at Ubuntu for just deleting it from the repo instead of fixing it, adopting the library, whatever they had to do. They make something new. You don't delete a function that everyone's using or that so many people are using. Okay, so if Linux Mint can take on TimeShift and they're a way smaller team, why couldn't Ubuntu just, you know, take on this and fix it? Money. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, like in Ubuntu proper, um, you look at some of these other spins like the Budgie team, Lubuntu, you have Rudra with uh, Unity. I don't understand it. And I, I can see in there, but it's open source, people. Look at the code for Prober. Fix it. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a shortage of manpower, and I know uh, Derek Taylor from a DistroTube said that sometimes we act like spoiled children always wanting something, but this is a serious flaw. This is something that people use. Yeah, this is a serious flaw. You don't remove packages that people work on. You don't remove a system utility that is used for operating system identification among the other uses of OS probers. I mean, I'll get off my soapbox, but... I think that's enough rant for now. Let's go on. Yep. I didn't have any uh, stability issues. Um, it's it's Ubuntu. It's based on Debian. I mean, as far as any other quirky things in the desktops, you shouldn't have a problem. And uh, the similar distros to check out, if you want to stay in the Ubuntu family... You can try uh, Linux Mint Cinnamon, and if you want to do a little bit of a compare and contrast, you can install um, Solus uh, Bungie. For my ratings, for a new user, I'd say 8 out of 10. I would give it 10 out of 10, but if you have the dual boot, dual booting is still hard for new users. And I will say that they're, the Ubiquity Partitioner is pretty good. So I just took a couple points off there just because of uh, it's new to them. Experience users, you're not going to have a problem. It's one and done. Hardware issues, I just took one off just because of the obscure mouse problem that I've never experienced in any Linux distro in probably the past decade. Uh, the ease of finding help, I didn't seek out, but this is Ubuntu. I mean, there's Linux questions. There's you know countless forums you can go to that, yeah, see see my earlier review, I listed them all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they may not be official, but a lot of the same people hang out in those forums. The ease of use, I'll get an 8 out of 10, just personally, because all the pop-ups and just some of the oddities of dismissing things and then them disappearing for days. And then uh, plays nice with others, 9 out of 10. Didn't have a problem except for the uh, the bland or generic Ubuntu label. And stability, 10 out of 10. My overall rating is going to be 9 out of 10. And my final comments, aside from the random issues I previously mentioned, this was a decent Ubuntu release. The theme is pretty good, a mix of bright colors while still maintaining a dark theme. You know, the purple matched pretty well. If you don't like GNOME, or some say the dated look of XFCE, but you want to stay in the GTK desktop family, I would suggest you try the uh, Budgie Spin. 
So let's move on to the new releases, Moss. Okay, new releases since last episode from May 3rd to June 5th. Uh, there wasn't anything this morning, so I'll leave it at the 5th. Proximox 7.2 VE, Open Media Vault 6.0.24, Zevnet 5.12, Linux FX 11.1.1109, do not use, Sparky Linux 6.3, Voyager 22.04.1, TinyCore 13.1, Fedora 36, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8.6, Euro Linux 8.6, Alma Linux OS 8.6, Alt Linux 10.0, Live Rezo 13.22.05.14, Kadachi 8.22, Kali 2022.2, FreeBSD 13.1, Rocky 8.6, Proxmox 2.2 Backup, Oracle 8.6, Ultramarine 36, Peppermint 5-22-2022. Good to see a new version of Peppermint out. Open Mamba 2022-0523. Alpine 3.16.0. Clonezilla 3.0.0-26. Pearl 11. KDE Neon 2022-0526. Alma Linux 9.0. Arco Linux 22.06.07. LXLE Focal, Snarl 1.18, Triskwell 10.0.1, Plop 22.2, System Rescue 9.03, Batocera 34, 4M Linux 39.1, Arch Labs 2022.05.29, NixOS 22.05, Linux Lite 6.0, SmartOS 2022.0602, Nitrux 2022-0602, Arch 2022.06.01, Armbian 22.05.1, Deepin 20.6, Bluestar 5.18.1, Robolinux 12.06, and Tails 5.1. We have no feedback this episode. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Um, in announcements, we will all, including Tony, be back in about a month. For chatting with us further, you may choose to join our Telegram group, our MeWe group, or our Discord channel. Where can our listeners find you, Josh? I'm at Josh on Tech on most social networks. Uh, for email, uh, you can email me at um, joshontech at gmail.com. You can find me on the uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic podcast also. Dale? I'm Dale underscore CDL on Telegram and Discord. And my email is Dale underscore CDL at PM.me. And you can contact Tony at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Uh, he also is on Hacker Public Radio from time to time. His host ID is 338. And his Twitter is at TonyH1212. And you can hear me every week on Full Circle Weekly News and Mintcast. My email is bardmoss at pm.me, and my Telegram, Discord, Twitter, and Mastodon contact info can be found in the show notes. And you can also find me, Dale, and Dylan at itsmoss.com. Before we go, we would like to thank all those who make this project possible. Archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program. Audacity, which we use for recording 
and editing the show. Joshua Lowe for work on our logo. All those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting, and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stallman for the GNU toolkits. And all those who have worked behind the scenes on free and open source slash Libre software. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. <laughs>